Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Expeditors Podcast, where we look at the logistics and freight forwarding industry through the lens of a global logistics provider. I'm your host, Chris Parker, and today's all about aircraft and aerospace manufacturing startups, the impact they have on this industry, and how solid logistics knowledge and planning are key to their success. With me today is the Regional Manager of Aviation and Aerospace, Neil Rubb. Neil, how are you doing? I'm doing well, Chris. Thank you for having me on this podcast. Absolutely. It is a pleasure to have you. Uh, Neil, before we get started on about talking about startups within aerospace and, uh, and aircraft manufacturing, I'm really curious to know a little bit more about you. Uh, what do you do as regional manager of uh, aviation and aerospace? Okay. So in the mayor region, you've got uh, healthcare, you've got mobility, and then you've got us. Mm-hmm. The, the verticals by their you know, share plan and design were meant as subject matter experts to help with the development of customers within our regions, as well as helping the company set up solutions for the industry. Think of it like a, a, a close band of three or four people trying to drive the same universal message across in the company and trying to develop customers for a mutual benefit. Yeah, absolutely. And when you say MAIR, uh, which is M-A-I-R, it's an acronym here at Expeditors, what does MAIR mean? What region is that? Oh, yeah, you know how we love our acronyms. So uh, <laughs> MARE is a Middle East, Africa, and Indian subcontinent region. Mm-hmm. So long and short, if you take uh, the region, it starts uh, in Bangladesh, and it extends all the way across to the western half of Africa. So it's a, it's a, it's a very large geographical region, very diverse, speak multiple languages, uh, culturally very, very different, Absolutely. Uh, but also super exciting. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And, and and on that note, like, what is most exciting uh, to you about this region or whether it's just the India market itself? Because you're based out of Mumbai, correct? That is correct. I'm based mm-hmm. out of Mumbai. So, yes, I mean, obviously, uh, you know, the India growth story is here for everyone to see. Um, it's one of the fastest growing economies in the world. Uh, also, in terms of aviation and aerospace, it, it has a tremendous scope for, for growth. And I, I believe the stats were saying something like a couple of thousand new aircraft to come in the next four or five years. Wow. But, but interestingly, the rest of the region is, 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 is also very exciting. So, so if you look at the Middle East as a, as a driver of growth uh, in this industry, um, three of the largest carriers in our region and potentially also in the world are from the Middle East. You've got Emirates, you've got Etihad, and you've got Qatar Airways, right? Uh, when you have such large uh, airlines, and you also have governments that are cash rich and willing to fund growth. Uh, the growth of airlines will automatically see the growth of the industry because you'll have new terminals being built, you'll have a lot more aircraft, you'll have a lot more spare parts being shipped, uh, and so on and so forth. So, uh, you know, the Middle East as a driver of growth is going to be very, very strong for the foreseeable future, uh, both in terms of, uh, you know, how the, the, the airlines will, will grow as well as how infrastructure is scheduled to be growing because the governments want to invest in that infrastructure for the future. Um, Africa, again, it's a latent country, uh, continent. It's a continent where there's tremendous growth potential uh, and therefore growth there can be exponential. Mm-hmm. Uh, so so you know, we're looking at a region that has uh, uh, established economies, that has uh, high growth path economies, that has cash-rich economies. It's very, very diverse and very, very interesting. No kidding. Yeah, there are so many directions to go. Absolutely. All right. So let's switch over to the topic today, which is all about aerospace and uh, aircraft manufacturing. Could you set a baseline here and help me understand how this industry works right now? And and I guess we'll also walk me through the steps of you know, where certain suppliers come in. Excellent question. So, so, so let's start by first understanding that 
historically, they've they've been you know the the, the large uh, OEMs or original equipment manufacturers. You can name them. Uh, you know, you can Airbus, Lockheed Martin, Boeing. Obviously, the biggest one. Sure. Traditionally, their role has all been about designing, building, testing, selling, and then maintaining the aircrafts. What's missing in this entire story is the physical manufacture of parts and components, which these OEMs don't do themselves. Oh, okay. So traditionally in the Western world, and I, I use uh, the old Western East uh, 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 terminology. Sure. In the Western world, most of the aircraft manufacturing is privately owned, uh, which includes the likes of Airbus and Boeing and so on and so forth. Whereas in the rest of the world, it's actually government control. So you have oh. governments that invest and, and, and build uh, and manufacture aircraft, including in China, in, in Russia, uh, even in India. Mm-hmm. So the basic ecosystem is that at the top of the tier, you have the OEM. That is the one that's actually putting together the aircraft. I wouldn't use the word manufacturing. I use the word putting together. <laughs> and then below that, you have an entire ecosystem of tier one, tier two, and tier three suppliers. So you have the tier ones, the likes of, let's say, a GE Aviation or a Raytheon Technologies. And then you go below that to a tier two supplier that does assemblies and parts. And then below that to a tier three and so on and so forth. Right. So that's, it's, a, it's, like a, it's like a pyramid that, that at the top of the pyramid or the top of the hierarchy is the OEM. And below them are all these tiers of, of various suppliers of complexity and magnitude. Now, now, just as an interesting tidbit, Boeing as a company operates an ecosystem of 12,000 suppliers. Wow. So that's how large this ecosystem can get. And now you're looking at 12,000 for Boeing. I'm sure Lockheed has their own. I'm sure, sure. Airbus has their own. And, and these need not be the same suppliers. They could be disparate suppliers in different geographies. So this is how the industry is currently set up mm-hmm. uh, to manufacture an aircraft. And, and I'm assuming that this model has not changed for some time. It has not. It, it, and, and then again, you like the old saying goes, if it ain't broke, why fix it? Sure. <laughs> no, it's been working so well for them. It's it's profitable. Uh, it allows them to do what they do, uh, uh, you know, without having to, uh, how should I say, uh, uh, change or, or, or inherit more risk. Uh, so it's worked for everyone. And, and, and you know, you can see that uh, the distribution of wealth because of the production of an aircraft is, is, is beyond just where the aircraft is assembled. Every state, every city, every industrial tier gains from the offshoring of manufacturing, if you like. Interesting. Okay. Okay. So then bringing in uh, startups into the mix, are they challenging this model or are they improving it? What do they do differently uh, within manufacturing? Oh, absolutely. That's a, that's a really important question. So, so, so the one thing to establish is that, uh, you know, manufacturing has been pretty much the same over the last, I would say two or three decades. Sure. You have the same general family of aircraft. You have the same general design methodology. You have the same engine design and fuel being used. And you're sourcing parts from the same specific certified manufacturers, right? Now, what the startups are doing is trying to disrupt this entire microcosm and trying to create something new. So they are also pushing the envelope in terms of design, in terms of materials being used in the aircraft, in terms of what that aircraft is being used for or its usage, and in terms of technology, including very, very interesting things like 3D printing. And let me share with you, just today I heard that a German manufacturer has actually begun to 3D print critical parts of a wing structure and hopes to eventually 
do an entire aircraft 3D printed. Wow. Now that is massive. I mean, imagine <laughs> it's as good as you and me, me sitting in our garage and doing it ourselves. Right. <laughs> so, so, uh, so, so they're pushing the envelope. They're, they're, they're not willing to take the established, uh, you know, way of doing things. Mm-hmm. Um, most importantly, they're also willing to manufacture themselves, which the OEMs today don't do. So these startups are saying, hey, we'll build it ourselves. We'll do everything ourselves. Of course, they inherit a higher risk as you know, they have no firm orders in place. And as you know, not every startup is successful. Mm-hmm. Maybe mm-hmm. one in 10 or two in 10 succeed, but eight in 10 don't. These startups are also flexible enough to try and look at uh, you know, new markets, new sourcing strategies, uh, tap suppliers who hitherto have never worked within the industry. And quite honestly, I hear a lot of you know, positive commentary about startups being the new coffee. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, <laughs> the users like to, to, to hear what the startups have to do because these guys are thinking different. They're, they're, they're vibrant, they're brash, and they're willing to shake the system. So then how do you think major manufacturers feel about startups and what they're doing? Well, actually, there, there is quite, uh, how should I say, uh, you know, uh, there is a meeting of minds. Uh, mm-hmm. It's not uh, divergent or it's not competitive. A lot of what the startups do will also be used by the major OEMs in some way or form. Um, and I'll give you a simple example. Uh, I've read a case about a particular MRO, and MRO is a maintenance repair overhaul uh, company that you know essentially does uh, the maintenance on aircraft. Uh, so this MRO ha- is now using drones to do aircraft inspection. So rather than have somebody climb up and down and clamber up and down the body of the aircraft, they've got a drone that's uh, a program with a very, very high-end camera that can actually pick out defects and it flies all across the aircraft and finds out what it needs to find out. Now, here is, an, is, a, is a perfect example of a startup, a drone company, actually helping an OEM manage their maintenance. So it's not mm-hmm. a clash of civilizations. It's actually a very healthy interchange of ideas. Yeah, it really is this new, just new perspectives coming in. and Absolutely. And, it's just a new way of doing things. things. Yeah. No, oh, that's awesome. That's awesome. Uh, what other big breakthroughs then have you heard recently that that startups are bringing to uh, to this market? Oh, okay. This so, so, so let me let me start by saying that uh, first off, there was uh, interesting announcements made uh, last year uh, and the year before about IATA and its members committing to an ambitious target to make flying net zero by 2050. Yeah. So wow. net zero in terms of you know your your carbon footprint. Now, sure. that is a tremendous uh, goal. I mean, you can imagine how difficult that is because today we're all burning fossil fuels. We're flying thousands and thousands of aircraft. How do you actually become net zero? The only way is through innovation. Mm-hmm. And this is what startups are doing. So startups first, for example, let's look at fuels. The most basic thing that goes into an aircraft. Today, everybody uses uh, standard aviation turbine fuel or ATF, which is a, how should I say, a, uh, uh, it's like kerosene on steroids, right? So it's 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 it's, it's, it's a, but it's a it's a it's a fossil fuel. It's going to create a carbon footprint. Absolutely. So what the startups are doing is they are looking at working on something called sustainable fuels or SAFs, SAFs. So sustainable fuels are you know all about trying to find uh, an offset where you can offset a, 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 a you can get credits for you know whatever you do positively for the environment. Mm-hmm. There's also alternate fuels being used like hydrogen ammonia, there's biofuels, there's vegetable oils also that come from the waste in your kitchens and restaurants. 
Wow. There are there are all electric uh, motors being designed. There are hybrid electric motors being designed. So in terms of sheer propulsion, there's a whole new universe that suddenly got uh, you know excited about the fact that we need to be net zero by 2050, and everybody decided yeah. to say, you know what, I'm going to put my hand up and I'm going to invent something as well. That's exciting. Very cool. Yeah, and that's it's yeah. a giant race that's happening right now, huh? Absolutely. And 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 when you change the the, the fuel type. You can imagine you've also got to change the engine type because the same engine can't operate with a different kind of fuel. So engines are now being redesigned to operate on a new family of fuels. Uh, so that means engines are now becoming more efficient. They're becoming more green. Uh, you could likely see new engine manufacturing come up. Uh, when you look at some of the other breakthroughs other than fuel and, and the engines, let's look at the family of aircraft. We talked about earlier how the family of aircraft had essentially remained the same for two or three decades. Sure. Today, the family of aircraft is moving beyond that. So we're talking from simple drones that may be handheld, remote controlled, you and me can operate them. We're talking about unmanned flight, which are larger drones that don't really need to have a pilot. We're talking about flying cars that you can actually park in your driveway and then fly to work. Mm -hmm. We're talking about hypersonic aircraft that fly well beyond the speed of sound. And, and, and just so you know, today, Commercial aircraft normally fly about 0.7 or 0.8 Mach, which is 0.7 or 0.8 times the speed of sound. Hypersonic fly beyond the speed of sound. So you can actually get to where you want to go faster rather than having to wait all those hours up in the air. So the family of aircraft is changing. And as this changes, again, you can imagine various design elements of the aircraft, the engines, the skin, uh, the structure, everything has to be redesigned. Um, and this also leads to the next level of innovation, which is in manufacturing, mm. because now you want to look at advanced materials. You don't want to use the same materials that you used hitherto. You want new materials, you want composites, you want to make something lighter, and you're going to look at advances in blockchain technology, 3D printing, the Internet of Things, uh, AI. I mean, there is so much going on, Chris. I mean, it's it's a, it's a, it, it's almost like you know, opening a door and seeing a, a room full of toys and saying. I never knew this existed. Yeah, no kidding. <laughs> That's fantastic. That's so crazy. Um, so it, it sounds like this industry has is really exploded. You know, startups are going are are popping up with all sorts of ideas. But this also means that they're moving into a well established space. So, what are some of the challenges that startups uh, might experience as they're starting to develop and grow and uh, and expand themselves? Right. So, so um, you know, startups by their very nature, and it's not just aviation startups, but any startup. Sure. Uh, I would think the biggest challenge they all have is uh, one acceptance of new technology. Uh, mm. When when somebody comes and says, "Hey, you know, I've got this brand new way of doing things," there's a generic uh, reluctance to accept something new, mm -hmm. and that takes time. So the test case scenarios take time to develop. This also leads for the startup to have a cash burn situation because they're burning cash, but there's no real business that they're seeing at the end of the day, which right. ultimately could also result in failures. So they're already under the pump. They're already challenged because conceptually they have an idea, but who's going to buy it? Mm -hmm. The second thing is that outside of the expertise of, let's say, innovation and maybe manufacturing, they have no idea. So uh, you know, supply chains for them are probably an afterthought. They've never mm -hmm. even thought of it. They, they know I'm going to build this thing. I got this great idea. But if you ask them, how are you going to get it from where it has to go to where it needs to go? 
there's no there's no right. answers it's to those questions. It's not as easy as just using a courier Absolutely. service, right? <laughs> Absolutely. And, and you know the simple the simple uh, uh, one line that I can tell you is that they don't know what they don't know. Mm. Mm-hmm. You know, and and that is the challenge that we've got to reach out and talk to these startups to explain to them what it is that they're missing out. So if those are the challenges, then then what's uh, what's helping them along? Who is supporting them? Who's rooting for the success of startups? Okay, so I can tell you that uh, almost uh, every player in the industry uh, wants startups to succeed because they're going to bring in efficiency. They're going to bring in new technology. They're going to make flying safer and, and, and more fun for, for, for an average consumer. Mm-hmm. So you've got everybody from the airlines to the terminal operators to even governments and sovereign funds saying, hey, we'd like to be a part of this uh, process. We'd like to help you, uh, you know, grow and develop technology. But doesn't the support from airlines and from countries contradict the idea of, uh, you know, a slow adoption of these new technologies? It sounds like manufacturers may be hesitant, but they also want to see them succeed. So how does that, that kind of clashes, doesn't it? Keep in mind that not all ideas are adopted uh, by, <laughs> sure. by, 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 by people, right? So for every sure. one or two that you adopt, there'd be maybe 10 or more that fail. Right, yeah, they're uh, not all great. <laughs> yeah, so the ones that are successful actually have... Uh, you know, uh, I, should I use the word angel investing? Perhaps you have angel investors who come in in the form of sovereign funds or in the form of an airline or in the form of, of somebody in some capacity in the industry saying, I like that idea. I'm willing mm-hmm. to support it. Let me invest some money and you can make it grow. And then where would you say startups are having the most impact right now? So so from the point of view of governments, uh, you know, uh, and, and also the users in the industry, there's obviously increased automation and efficiency. There's great, great possibility of cost reduction. Uh, more importantly, the green aviation goals are going to be achieved. So whether it's regional flights, commuter services, you're able to uh, finally make that green uh, and you know not uh, uh, carbon intensive. Mm-hmm. Uh, interestingly, if you look at food delivery apps or uh, you know the Amazons of the world, local and hyper-local delivery is a great area where everybody has interest in. And this is where a lot of startups are actually finding solutions. There's disaster management, air traffic management, agriculture management. Mm -hmm. And there's also the MRO activity, like we talked about, the drones for inspection. And of course, there's military. So so in all these areas, you're actually seeing that technology being adopted for various different usages. All right. So let's go ahead and bring in uh, freight forwarders and logistics providers here. What role do we play for the success of startups? So, so I see uh, the freight forwarder is playing the role of a uh, junior partner, somebody mm-hmm. who is a knowledgeable well-wisher, somebody who's going to guide that startup into not making uh, the mistakes that they can very easily avoid. Um, so obviously, we're not going to be moving these new fuels uh, for them or these new hydrogen and ammonia and all that stuff, but sure. we can certainly help with the infrastructure. Mm, okay. uh, you yeah. might be you might be interested to know that uh, we recently moved uh, an electric aircraft, uh, uh, you know, within the network for a customer. Mm-hmm. Uh, we have the ability to help startups with navigating global supply chains, including all the challenges that come with, you know, managing an import and export process. For example, uh, almost every startup will want to exhibit their their their, their freight somewhere or, or their product somewhere which means they're going to go and attend exhibitions across the world or air shows or, you know, whatever may, you may have. Right. Now there is a, a science to, to moving freight into an exhibition and out of it. You need something that's called an ATA carnet. 
right? Mm-hmm. That allows you to get into a country without paying customs duty and allows you to exit again for the purpose of exhibition. Mm, okay. Now, most startups don't know this. They think it's simple. Just put it in a courier, send it there, and everything should be hunky-dory. <laughs> right, but imagine, right. and you've got an exhibition starting day after tomorrow, and your stuff is not cleared customs. Now, that's a loss of your reputation. It's a loss of your revenue. It's a loss of an opportunity. Yeah. And, and here is what a freight forwarder can tell them in advance. Don't make these mistakes. Let us help mm. you plan it. Let us help you create schedules. So we can create like a, like a, like a time chart saying, if you want to be here by this date, this is by the this is the date by which you need to be ready to ship, ready to pack, have documents ready, and so on and so forth. Mm-hmm. Uh, also, the fact that we've got a, a network, so we can upscale the offering. Today, we are offering them solutions in the UAE. Tomorrow, we can be in Rotterdam. Day after, we can be in Chile. Uh, you, know, we can be anywhere, wherever yeah. they want to be, is where we can upscale too. Um, and the most important thing, the the often you know, understated element of supply chain is one is insurance, which is risk management. And the second is packaging. Now, both of these ensure that your product stays safe, stays secure, and gets to where it has to go in the condition that you intended it to get to. Now, a startup has probably little to no experience in these areas, whereas we Mm -hmm. have loads of experience that we can share with them. We can tell them how to do the packing or what kind of insurance to get, and we can help them achieve this. So, so all in all, what we're trying to tell the, the, the startup is, you know, leave your logistics headache to the freight forwarder. Leave it to mm-hmm. us. We'll manage it for you. You focus on innovation. You focus on product development. When I'm thinking of startups, I think of a small, scrappy organization, right? And then when I think of a freight forwarder, especially like expediters or, you know, other logistics providers, these are global organizations, right? Are they too small for the global stage? And how does a large forwarder help that and, and help them grow? So, Chris... We have a startup uh, philosophy within the company. There's a program that's already been put in place. Uh, there are, of course, criteria for when we can apply that program based on you know, whether the startup has achieved certain capitalization, have they achieved certain criteria. Mm-hmm. So uh, the long and short is for a startup that's actually very, very new, perhaps we wouldn't have the solutions that they need because they're, they're far too early in their evolution. But as the startup starts to achieve funding, and when they, they, they achieve the, the critical mass that we're looking for in, in a startup, mm-hmm. we have a full-fledged program that we can offer, which includes a plethora of services, you know, complementary hours of consultancy, really, really interesting package of services that we can offer to a startup. And keep mm-hmm. in mind, startups eventually go unicorn. And, and yeah. that's what we want them to do, because if we're with them when they were struggling and when they started out, they're going to stay with us when they get unicorn as well. <laughs> when they get unicorn, yeah. <laughs> so then for startups, what could they be doing to set them apart or you know, kind of set them up for continued success? So, so like I said earlier, you know, one of the things a startup should do is look for a partner that's as committed as they are. Uh, somebody that will support them through the growth pain, somebody that will support mm-hmm. them through the, 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 the evolution of their business model, someone who will support them with you know, a lot of other things other than just mere freight forwarding. There's the consultancy element. There's the hand-holding element. There's the explanation of how things work in different countries, rules and regulations. You know, all this is a science. Uh, so a startup has to find a partner that, that knows how to, how to help a company that quite often doesn't know what they don't know mm-hmm. and help them navigate those supply chain challenges and set up a robust supply chain that, you know, can tackle any challenge that, that uh, you could throw at them. 
So, so once they find that particular partner, they're set. But until that happens, uh, you know, there will be a series of hits and misses, a series of failures. So as a freight forwarder, I think what we need to do is uh, also step down a couple of rungs and, and understand that we're talking to a client who may not understand supply chain like we think he should or mm -hmm. she should. And therefore, we've got to make it really simple for them to understand. We've got to ask them really simple questions. We've got to assume nothing. Assume that they don't have anything and then help them set up. Right. Absolutely. And I imagine there's a lot of education that has to happen in order oh, to absolutely. make the conversations easier yes. down the line. And yeah. therefore, you need a patient freight forward. Somebody right. who's got time for you. <laughs> Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> no, patience sounds uh, certainly important. A question that I like to ask is, uh, what conversations should a startup be having internally uh, in order to set themselves up to be uh, working at their best with a forwarder? Uh, so, so a startup has to understand that you know they they they, they uh, because logistics and supply chain is is a science. Uh, you can't just put just about anybody in that role and say, okay, this is now you look after this. Mm -hmm. uh, you have to have people who understand how that works. Mm -hmm. um, so, so when they discuss internally, uh, they've got to quickly establish whether or not they have somebody within the team that has an understanding of supply chain. And if not, find a trusted partner that can take over that role uh, and act as an, as an, as an independent, but you know, still working as within the company. Sure, um, sure. So, so, so as long as they establish that here is our lacuna in, in our planning methodology, and we need to find somebody who can fix that lacuna and become a part of our team. They're good to go. Okay. So before we end today, I want to ask one last question. What do you think is the most exciting thing for startups right now in this day and age that's going on? Oh, there's this, I mean, you know, I, I can tell you that we're, we're currently engaged with a, the startup uh, uh, in India that is uh, aiming to be the next uh, SpaceX. Uh, so, I mean, can you imagine a, a small company that has ambitions to, to launch their own rockets into space, launch satellites? Uh, it's a tremendous dream. I mean, it's so exciting to see, uh, you know, young kids come up with these ideas and, and, and actually deliver on these ideas. So yeah, uh, I yeah. think that for me, that's one of the, the, the exciting things. The other one was the, was the electric aircraft that we actually shipped uh, through our network. Mm -hmm. um, you know, we, we've, we've always talked about we all watch Star Trek, right? So we all know about all the technology <laughs> that we see there. But oh, here yeah. is a perfect case of life imitating art where mm. we're actually putting together technology solutions that we only saw on television. You know, we only heard of flying cars. Now we've actually got flying cars. So yeah. there is so much that's happening that is super, super exciting. And we're just touching the, the you know, the, 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 the how should I say? I mean, the, the, it's a world out there. And, mm. and, and the more you dig, the more you discover, uh, you know, I realize that uh, I'm probably a little too old for it now, but uh, <laughs> I, I, I should have been here a lot earlier and, you know, learning these things as I went along. Well, beautifully said, Neil. I really appreciate you taking the time. Thank you so much, uh, especially late hours over in Mumbai. Really appreciate you uh, chatting this through with me. Not a problem, Chris. It's my pleasure. And hopefully uh, somewhere in the future, Maybe you can fly your car and come and see me and we can have a drink and you can fly your car back home. At hypersonic speeds, no At less. hypersonic speed. There you go. <laughs> Thanks for listening to today's episode. If you've got questions or want to learn more about today's topic, check out the show notes for more information. And before you go, make sure you're subscribed on whatever podcast app you're using so you won't miss the next episode. To learn more about Expediters, you can find us on LinkedIn, Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter, or simply visit us at expediters.com. 
Take care, and I'll see you next time.